This is Ringler Radio, where you get all the latest news and information about structured settlements from experts across the U.S. Ringler Associates, celebrating 35 years of successfully helping injured people and their families. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by the life markets that issue structured settlement annuities, including Allstate, American General, Liberty Life, MetLife, New York Life, John Hancock, and Prudential. Now join Ringler Radio host Larry Cohen. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Ringler Radio. I'm Larry Cohen, head of Ringler Associates Northeast Operations, and once again, we're awfully glad you could join us. Back in August of 2010, Johnson & Johnson and Depew announced the worldwide recall of parts used for hip replacements after studies pointed to an unusually high rate of revision surgeries connected to the devices. Both the total hip replacement and the hip resurfacing system were recalled, resulting in an estimated 93,000 people being affected by the recall. And some patients have been reporting uh, various problems, such as pain, swelling, difficulty walking, within as little as five years after receiving the implants. And, of course, these implants use metal-on-metal parts. So today on Ringler Radio, we're going to take a look at the Depew hip replacement recall and the litigation surrounding it. And to do that, our special guest today is attorney Navan Ward, Jr. of the Montgomery, Alabama law firm Beasley, Allen, Crow, Methvin, Portis, and Miles. Currently, Navan is the firm's lead attorney on the metal-on-metal hip implant litigation, which involves thousands of victims who have received defective hip implants, of course, causing severe pain, metal poisoning, and in some cases, revision surgeries. Navan was appointed by U.S. District Judge David Katz to serve on the Plaintiff Steering Committee for the Consolidated Litigation for Cases Against Depew Orthopedics. So with that, welcome to Ringler Radio, Navan. Thank you, Larry. Uh, thank you guys for having me. Well, terrific. Uh, an estimated 93,000 people were affected by the recall, uh, Navan. Can you give us some background? How did the recall come about in the first place? Sure. Uh, you know, the ASR hips, and you mentioned it earlier in your Mm-hmm. Opening, uh, you have two type of hips, ASR hips. One is a total hip replacement. That particular uh, hip replacement was approved here in the United States. And then you have the resurfacing ASR resurfacing uh, system, mm-hmm. uh, which is typically for younger uh, patients. Uh, but it was not approved here in the U.S. It was approved in other countries, and quite frankly, other countries uh, have done a better job of keeping up with the data, keeping up with the, the, the studies in these, uh, with these particular two cases, as well as the other metal-on-metal hips. Uh, and a lot of the data registries is what they call it uh, from these other countries, specifically Australia, uh, showed significant increased risk of people who have these hips in needing uh, a revision or a follow-up surgery mm-hmm. uh, at the time, a point in time of August of 2010 when it was recalled, that data had showed that it was approximately 12% of the patients uh, that received uh, these devices uh, needed a total hip replacement uh, revision surgery. Uh, and so because of the device or because of that data in other countries, specifically the Australia registry, uh, the FDA certainly uh, picked up on that. Um, the Pew, obviously, since it was dealing with their device, knew about it. 
Uh, and, and, and with that collaboration, that was the, uh, the motivation behind the U.S. and the FDA here moving forward with uh, requesting and, and, and actually affecting and getting a uh, recall here in the United States. So was that a voluntary recall on the part of Depew, or, or did the FDA uh, mandate it? Well, Larry, whenever you have any type of recall, obviously a mandatory recall comes directly, uh, is mandated directly from the FDA, mm-hmm. but even voluntary recalls, uh, there is a very strong influence from the uh, the FDA to any of the pharmaceutical drug or device companies uh, to which they're allowed an opportunity to voluntarily recall it before the FDA mandatorily recalls it. Um, Many of these companies would much rather uh, it state for it to be a voluntary type of situation. Uh, So they'll certainly, looking at whatever data that's brought before them or that they already know, Will, will make that decision to to have it characterized as a voluntary recall as opposed to having the FDA give the final decision of uh, it being mandatory. No question, they want to they want to paint a a little different picture. Obviously, when they're when they're recalling something as dramatic as this, let's take a look at the device uh, itself, uh, Navan. What are the issues with the implanted device? What's wrong with the replacement parts? What 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 is it all about here? Sure. And once again, you mentioned earlier what the results of the problems of these devices, such as the pain, swelling, problems walking, mm-hmm. uh, etc. Uh, but what we've been able to find is the fact that these are metal-on-metal components that make up this device is the core and central issue to, to this particular case. It causes two different things to happen. Um, because you have the, uh, the components are made up of a cup a ball, and mm-hmm. then a ball sticks to the to the shaft, which goes into the femur. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the the significant amount of friction and the significant amount of torque that comes from the ball and the cup being both being metal on metal and moving as you would imagine that uh, your hip and socket would be moving as every time you walk or sit down or bend. Um, the, the way the design of it is made is that uh, the metal on metal uh, components allow for metal shavings to come off, get into the tissue in the surrounding hip area, which causes problems, uh, as well as getting to the bloodstream, uh-huh. um, which travels throughout your body and which can cause additional problems. Well, just for our listeners' uh, uh, edification, there are other types of hip replacement parts uh, that are not metal. Isn't that correct? Certainly. They're, they're, they're certainly different uh, hip components or, or, or hip devices that are not metal on metal. Uh, you have uh, hip devices that have a poly line or plastic type of liner mm-hmm. or a ceramic head that goes over the, the metal ball um, or some type of um, component that would make, if it is made from metal, that would be in between the ball and the head uh, in order to decrease the chances of any metal on metal friction and problems happening. Uh, and, and quite frankly, uh, those type of devices are, uh, is what we've known uh, or have had for several years uh, up until the last five, ten years where the metal on metal devices have come about. So, so are, are the metal on metal, and, and when I say metal on metal, are we talking the titanium product? Well, actually, we're talking about uh, in these particular 
type of hip devices, chromium and cobalt metals uh, are made. Uh, titanium, they're sometimes, uh, a lot of times, put in the knee devices, which are also having problems, and mm-hmm. that's a whole other show for a whole other okay. day. Okay. Uh, but but the majority of the hip devices that, that, that we've seen, um, and particularly the type of hip devices with the ASRs, mm-hmm. uh, are chromium and cobalt metals. Uh, now, this device or this particular device, ASR, there has been an extreme amount of problem studies that are shown with this specific hip device. But the problem is with metal and metal hips across the board with other manufacturers, Zimmer. Um, AS, uh, the, the Pew has another type of hip, which is called the Pinnacle metal on metal hip. And you have striker, and you have several other different types of hips. But the one, the, the type of hips that include metal on metal is what uh, we've seen problems with. So much so that the FDA has even mandated that their uh, that all manufacturers do special studies to show uh, to specifically prove the safety and inversely uh, prove or show the, the problems that they've been causing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the FDA just recently has done that a few months ago, uh, which for all intents and purposes has probably put an end to the metal-on-metal hips. And now what we've seen is uh, the manufacturers start to make alternative type of devices moving away from the metal-on-metal hips. Gotcha. Well, there are also some reports that uh, the devices are linked to a specific condition called metallosis. Uh, Share with our audience what metallosis is and how it can impact uh, the patient. Sure, Larry. Um, you know, as I said before, um, when you have the ball rubbing or moving, and it is uh, uh, having friction against the metal cup, mm-hmm. the ends of those, the ends of the cup, uh, is what's called uh, having wear. Um, and with that wear, it metal particles kind of, uh, for the most part, uh, comes off of either the ball or the actual cup. It kind of just you know, splatters out into the, uh, the 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 tissue, surrounding tissue and bone, mm-hmm. uh, and that is where it affects the bone. It affects that particular area of the hip, causing the swelling, causing the pain, um, causing uh, several other you know, loosening and several other problems in that particular area. Uh, but when the the these same metal particles get in the blood system, um, and it goes throughout the body, uh, that can cause uh, what many more additional injuries, uh, such as, you know, there's been reports of, you know, t- pseudotumors or, mm-hmm. or Alzheimer's, some different type of neurological problems uh, when you have long-term term exposure for this. When this particular device was recalled, one of the things that was mandated is for patients to immediately get blood tests, uh, get metal, what's called metal ion blood testing, mm-hmm. in order to detect if you have chromium or cobalt, elevated levels of chromium or cobalt levels in your blood system. Interesting. And so that uh, is one way of being able to determine if someone uh, is suffering from or has that condition called metallosis, the metal particles from the hip being able to get in your blood blood system uh, because of the the effective nature of it. No question. Well, what about uh, the fact that obviously these... uh, these effects of the hip implants, these negative effects, ha- haven't affected everyone who's had them. So there's a population out there that have, that has the hips that has yet to uh, they've yet to experience any of these symptoms. Uh, 
Could they still be at risk? Is there a period of time beyond which the hip is considered to be safe or, or, or does just the fact that it's going to be grinding over time uh, subject these people to potential future problems themselves? You know, that, that's a great question, Larry. When Back in August 2010, when this particular device, the ASR uh, devices, uh, were recalled, uh, the data not only suggests that there was a significant increased risk of uh, hip failure, uh, it also suggested that that hip failure can occur within five years of the original implant. So you have your ASR implant in 2008. Uh, you can expect uh, within five years of that for you to uh, that risk to be increased for you. Now, recently, within the last few months, we've had uh, additional studies show that for the total hip replacement, uh, the increased risk of failure of that hip has increased all the way to uh, 48%, 48-49% failure rate, mm. um, which is astronomical, uh, as well as um, that being within six years of the original implant. Uh, and so, you know, it, 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 it to, more specifically to your question, you certainly can have people who have the hip device now and who has had x-rays to make sure that the uh, device still in place is not dislocated or loosened uh, and has had the uh, blood test and currently do not have any elevated metal uh, ions mm-hmm. in their system, whether it be chromium or cobalt. Uh, but if they're in their first year or second year of uh, from having their surgery, original surgery, uh, the studies suggest that you're not out of the woods because you still have another four or five years to go. Uh, and, you know, once again, you know, the, the, the original data that led to these devices being pulled off the market said that uh, the problem was shown within five years. Well, when, remember, the device had only been on the market for five years. Now we've come a year later, uh, and the, the the studies show within six years. Well, it's it's only been once again it's off the it's been off the market for a year, but uh, since its inception, it's been six years. And so we don't really know. I don't think the the the, the data suggests that even after six years, at least right now, that you might be free and clear. Uh, it's only been the fact that you know the population that we have to test people has only gone back six years as of today. Gotcha. So those people who have the uh, the implants and uh, as time goes by, they've got to keep a watchful eye on that and uh, make sure they're doing those proper blood tests, et cetera, to make sure they don't, they don't come down with that metallosis. Certainly, certainly. That, that is, is, um, is definitely something that not only uh, the PU recommends, the FDA recommends, but doctors are also recommending as well. Uh, and, you know, quite frankly, there are a lot of people who have this device that's, uh, that, that's of the mind frame. Well, you know, I have a ticking time bomb in my, in my hip, uh, in my body. I don't have any current symptoms or, or problems with it now, but um, there's a good chance that I may very well have it within the next two or three or four years. And, you know, there's certainly people that have made the decision, hey, I don't want to risk that. Let me go ahead and take it out now mm-hmm. um, in order to, you know, not have to wait and find out if I have metallosis or not. And just as an aside, has the company, has Depew, uh, are, are they paying for these blood tests for people who, who want to make sure that they're uh, symptom-free? Well, well, that that's the reimbursement program that we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, if clients or if uh, patients want to, and, 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 and 
certainly mandated that, uh, recommended that they certainly do have at least a blood test and an x-ray once per year. Um, if they want to go through the reimbursement program, uh, then uh, they, they certainly have the option of doing that in any out-of-pocket expenses. If they had insurance, they'd have to pay their insurance and any out-of-pocket expenses. And a lot of times, it's thirty-five bucks uh, or whatever your copay is twenty, sure. thirty, whatever the amount of amount of money is. But once again, um, it's highly suggested that if they do that, that they certainly go through a lawyer to do that, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to do that uh, directly with the Pew uh, or Brospar, which is their third-party um, administrator who's handling these claims. Mm-hmm. Uh, because what essentially would happen is um, uh, for the cost of a copay, they would get a whole bunch of information about your case uh, that would give them much more, uh, uh, much better leverage uh, in defending your case uh, before it's even filed. Sure. So uh, your, your, your good advice, is, as always, is uh, make sure you're doing the right thing and make sure you uh, talk to a lawyer before you engage in some of these uh, in some of these uh, events. Certainly, because you, you can rest assured that uh, the Pew or Brospire, uh, they are talking to their lawyers before they talk to any any patients out there. Uh, and, and they're certainly going to be giving uh, patients information uh, and getting information from patients that would benefit the Pew, not the patient. Gotcha. Um, and, and, and likewise, the patient, if they uh, choose to deal with Broadspire or Depew with this medical reimbursement program, they they likewise would would, would need the guidance of uh, attorneys to to make sure that uh, everything is handled. Now, you know, a lot of our patients uh, and clients uh, mistake this reimbursement program for some type of settlement program, and that's mm-hmm. completely different. Um, this is just out of pocket expenses. Um, and, and nothing else at this point. Well, let's uh, you know we'll take a quick break right now, and we'll come back in a few minutes and and talk more about this uh, this recall, and and maybe even get into this uh, differentiation between this medical reimbursement and and potential settlement. So uh, we'll be right back with Attorney Navan Ward right here on Ringler Radio. Stay tuned. This is Ringler Radio. From Ringler Associates, quite simply, the undisputed leader in structured settlements for 35 years. Ringler Radio is celebrating its sixth year right here on the Legal Talk Network, produced by broadcast professionals. Ringler Associates, the only broker you need. Listen to all the Ringler Radio shows. Just go to ringlerassociates.com or legaltalknetwork.com and click on Ringler Radio and choose a topic. Since 1975, Ringler Associates has provided the finest structured settlement services to all parties involved in the settling of physical injury claims. Experience counts. Over $23 billion in structures benefiting 166,000 injured individuals and their families. And one of the few companies that truly enjoys the trust of all parties in the settlement process. Did you know you can download Ringler Radio to your iPod? Just go to iTunes and subscribe to the Legal Talk Network. It's free. We invite you to listen to other shows on the Legal Talk Network. It's free at www.legaltalknetwork.com. Someone's at the door. Don't answer it. Why not? I'm listening to Legal Talk Network podcasts to get my CLE credit in West Legal Ed Center. Oh, I need to do that too. Where do I find them? It's easy. Just go to legaltalknetwork.com and pick a program for CLE, click on it, 
and start listening or go to westlegaledcenter.com and choose from any of the Legal Talk Network programs available for CLE. Perfect. I'll do that right now. Think you might like to have us create your own podcast on LegalTalkNetwork.com? Go to the website and send us an email, or just give us a call at 781-551-9960. It's the best move you'll make in legal marketing. You never have enough friends or followers, right? Check out Legal Talk Network on Facebook and Twitter, LinkedIn too. Welcome back to Ringler Radio. Glad you could join us. I'm joined today by attorney Navan Ward, Beasley Allen's lead attorney on the metal-on-metal hip implant litigation. Uh, you know, Navan, you were selected by federal judge David Katz to serve on the plaintiff steering committee for the consolidated litigation for these cases against DePue. Tell us a little bit about your role on the committee and, and, and what that's all about. Sure. Uh, when when litigants or claimants uh, decide to file cases, they have two options. They have two tracks they can go on. They can file their case in federal court or they can file it in state court. State courts are typically where uh, they are located. Um, federal courts uh, also are where they're located, but uh, it includes a, a, a larger jury pool, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, in these mass tort cases, so to speak, um, where you have one single drug or device that has caused a mass amount of injuries from, to patients and to uh, consumers around the country, uh, what happens typically is that you have a uh, judicial panel, a federal judicial panel of judges uh, who make the decision to, for all cases that are filed in federal courts, to consolidate them or to, to bring all of the federal court cases into one particular uh, court in front of one judge. And this is this is typically called uh, multi-district litigation or MDL? Exactly. It's, 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 you're exactly correct. MDL or, or multi-district litigation. Uh, and when you have a, a single judge in, in in a court, uh, he has to make sure that the plaintiffs around the country are well organized and represented. And in doing that, he se- he selects a uh, a leadership committee, so to speak, of attorneys throughout the country uh, to um, come together uh, and work with the defendants uh, or. Uh, be the the main attorneys that are litigating against the defendants on behalf of uh, all the common issues that are going on with all the clients, with all of the the, the, the patients or or claimants around the country, uh, and so uh, that involves uh, getting internal documents. That involves um, working up uh, experts and and uh, dealing with the many many different issues that come up in any litigation. Uh, and this plaintiff leadership committee, which is a very big honor, which is comprised of uh, only a few attorneys around the country um, mm-hmm. who are heavily involved in these cases, uh, and and you know I, I have the, the honor and pleasure of being being selected as one of those uh, attorneys. Well, that's to, that's quite a feather in your cap, there, Nevan. What what's going on with the litigation at this point? What's happening in, in the litigation realm on this case? Well, it's fairly early. Uh, unfortunately, you know, a lot of these uh, lawsuits in general uh, can take some time, particularly uh, lawsuits that are against, you know, mega giant corporations like Johnson Johnson and Depew Orthopedics. As you know, uh, Johnson Johnson is the parent company to Depew. Mm-hmm. So uh, we are in the discovery, what's called the discovery process, where we are learning a lot uh, 
more about what the defendants knew, what they should have known, um, to to fill in the the blanks that we have, uh, and actually, quite frankly, to confirm some of the suspicions that we that we also have as far as what they knew and when they knew it, as far as you know. Uh, them knowing that this thing can cause problems, you know, way before it was even on the market, and certainly when it was on the market between August 2005 and, and 2010. And so we're getting several million pages of documents. So we're reviewing those. We're identifying different um, uh, key witnesses that uh, work for Depew and for Johnson and Johnson, and preparing to take their depositions. Mm-hmm. We're also looking at the medical literature around the country, around the world, for that matter, uh, to be able to show and to prove, uh, you know, the extent and problems that these particular devices have had on, on people. Uh, and we're ultimately leading to a point where um, some of these federal court cases, the judge will select some cases to go to trial, and, and we will try those cases uh, until we get a resolution, whether it's um, one case uh, at a time or whether, you know, at some point in time, Johnson Johnson the Pew uh, decides to to settle a portion, if not all, of the cases. And I, of course, uh, while this is going on, I, I'm sure more and more individuals who are suffering from uh, the Im- the impact of these uh, of this recall and and, and these uh, metal on metal parts are probably calling the lawyers. You're probably getting more clients into this into this mix uh, every day. We we are. You're you're certainly right. Um, uh, we are getting new clients uh, up anywhere between twenty to fifty new clients um, uh, a day. Um, and is that just your firm, or is it the entire uh, group? Yeah, of, of just clients? with my firm. I mean, once again, you have ninety-three thousand um, people out there that that have had this implant, um, and you know, a lot of people. And even though it's been going on a year, a lot of people are just either finding out about it or just starting to have problems. Um, Coupled with that. Um, once again, this is a metal-on-metal uh, hip issue uh, as a whole, so you have a lot of uh, users who have other uh, manufacturer devices uh, that are metal-on-metal uh, that this has alerted them to problems with it, and so they're calling in and they're wanting to be represented as well. Right, uh, even though even though the manufacturer may not be Depew and Johnson and Johnson in this and and in their instances, exactly, exactly. Sounds like you got a lot more work to do, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> my my holiday season will be uh, certainly filled with uh, with things to do. A lot of work. Well, if a recipient of a of a Depew hip, let's say, uh, is experiencing any any of the symptoms that we talked about today. What should that individual do next? What, what's what's the step for them to take if they say, "Boy, I'm hurting here." What what would they do? Well, you know, we strongly recommend and advise all of our clients: health first, safety first. You have to go to a doctor. Uh, we are not in a position to to diagnose them, uh, and, and their doctor is, uh, and they would want to have a blood test. They want to have a, a blood test to see if they have any metal ions in their system. Mm-hmm. Uh, they want to have a X-ray to make sure uh, that the X-ray shows that their hip is still in place, or if it's loose in any way, or prone for dislocation, being dislocated. Uh, and after talking with the doctor, and after the doctor examined them and, and looking at the test, uh, they need to come to a decision if this if they are a candidate for uh, to have a, a revision surgery. Um, some of our clients, unfortunately, because their health to, health conditions um, may need a, a revision 
but the doctors, uh, some doctors, um, uh, don't want them to go through with it because of their health condition and the surgery itself may be more risky um, than than actually taking the the implant out. And it's very unfortunate for those particular type of clients. And I would assume most of the folks who have gotten these hip replacements are, are, are on the elderly side. Am I right? Well, you know, I tell you what, that is that, and certainly there's a good portion of of, of users out there uh, that uh, are say above fifty. Mm-hmm. Uh, 60s and the 70s, but um, more and more people uh, are having uh, hip revisions or hip surgeries uh, much younger. We have several clients from, you know, uh, in their early 20s to 30s wow. and 40s, um, uh, different type of traumatic experiences or otherwise have resulted in many people having to have hip surgeries. Uh, and so, and, and again, I, I mentioned earlier that the uh, ASR resurfacing hip is typically for younger patients. I hear but we've seen the, the total hip, the ASR total hip, the other device, uh, ASR device uh, has been used in, in, in younger patients as well. So uh, there's a, a, a very good number, uh, a population of uh, 20s, 30s, and 40s who are also using these as well. That's interesting. I think that's a surprise to most of our listeners. Uh, it's an interesting uh, new direction for the whole uh, joint replacement industry. Yeah, very interesting. Well, I would assume also, uh, Navan, that uh, if someone is experiencing these difficulties, they should probably be contacting uh, a good lawyer as well. So, how would they uh, how would they get in touch with you if they wanted to do that? Sure, they they certainly could can give us a call one eight hundred eight nine eight twenty thirty four. Once again, that's one eight hundred eight nine eight. 2034. Um, we have a team of attorneys here, my, including myself, uh, that uh, are, or, or you know, currently representing thousands of uh, ASR, the Pew ASR hip victims, mm-hmm. as well as other manufacturers, um, uh, such as Wright uh, uh, Medical uh, Manufacturers as well, and Stryker and, and Zimmer. Um, uh, manufacturers and so whatever type of uh, problems that you're having, certainly uh, talk with a, a, an attorney. We are certainly here to help, uh, and we can be able to, to 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 discuss with you and talk with you if the type of symptoms and the type of hip that you have would be one uh, that this litigation involves. And do you have information on your website about uh, about this? Definitely www.beasleyallen.com. That's B A. S L E Y A L L E N W dot Um and if you uh, go to the side of it, there is very easy to get to where it talks about the the uh, either the pew or the uh, hip failures, hip device failures, uh, and it gives great information. You can also get in touch with our office through the website as well. Well, I think that's uh, good good information for the listener, and uh, I also want to. Uh Tell our listeners, if you want to reach any of the Ringler Associates out there to uh, help you with the structured settlement uh, piece of any of the settlements you may have, you can reach them on ringlerassociates.com. And you can listen to all of these Ringler radio shows, including this one, with Navan talking about the Depew uh, hip replacement uh, uh, recall litigation. Just go to ringlerassociates.com or legaltalknetwork.com. And you can download this show. Uh, you can listen to it uh, on your iPad or on your iPod, whatever I, other iDevice you may have. But uh, there's a lot out there for you to learn. 
and we're here to make sure you do that. So, Navan, I want to thank you again for joining us today. It's very informative, and good luck with your uh, with that uh, task ahead of you there. Well, I, I certainly appreciate it, and I, I thank you once again for having me to talk about this very, very important issue. Well, it's our pleasure, Navan, and all of you out there, I want you to go out and have a great day, and thanks again for listening. Bye-bye. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to Ringler Radio in its sixth year on Legal Talk Network with over a half a million listeners. Ringler Associates, where experience counts. Since 1975, Ringler Associates has provided the finest structured settlement services to all parties involved in physical injury claims. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by the life markets that issue structured settlement annuities, including Allstate, American General, Liberty Life, MetLife, New York Life, John Hancock, and Prudential.